You are listening to the How to Talk to Girls podcast with me, Trip Kramer. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the How to Talk to Girls podcast. I'm your host, Trip Kramer from tripadvicecoaching.com. On today's episode, I have an interview where I interview a guy named Destiny. Maybe you've heard of him, maybe you haven't. It's interesting because he's got this massive cult following. So there are people there who are just out there who are diehard fans of this guy. And then there's people out there who go, I've never heard of this person in my life. I guess this is quite popular when it comes to online personalities, you know, people online who have their, their followings. But this guy, I mean, he puts out a video on YouTube and it just gets hundreds of thousands of views and he's just speaking his opinion while he plays video games. So he started off as a gamer and then he became this online debater. So he would go on different channels and different podcasts and debate big topics. Right now he's in this space where he's debating topics on dating and relationships. Specifically, he's like the anti-red pill. So he's the anti-red pill. That means that he is someone who doesn't believe in what the red pill community has to say and doesn't agree with all the statistics and all the absolutes that the red pill community has to say. You're going to hear about that here on today's interview. And so anyway, I've seen him around lately and I thought, you know what, I'd love to interview this guy and just get to know him and understand his beliefs and his viewpoints. A lot of people like to debate him. Him and I don't debate on this episode. I'm not one to necessarily debate, or at least right now. I just wanted to get to know him and and who he was and where he comes from and his beliefs. And I have to say, I do enjoy and do back up a lot of the beliefs that he has, which you're going to hear. I I make a little joke calling it Destiny's Five Commandments, but these, these different ideas of how he sees personal development. And I will say, out of anyone that I can remember that I've interviewed on this podcast in the last, how long has the podcast been around? Let's see, five, eight years. So in the last eight years, this might be one of the most confident people I've ever interviewed because the way that we chat and the way that he describes himself without needing any external validation, these are his words that you'll hear in just a bit. The fact that I I just, he says it and I just believe him and the way that he carries himself. It's interesting because you might see the guy He's got blue hair. I actually have this interview on YouTube as well because we did it live on the YouTube channel. But you you see him, you might not think that this guy is the most confident person. But you're going to see here, there is a confidence. There's an aura about him that just says, wow, I truly don't give a shit what people think about me. And I think that's pretty cool. I wish we could all take a little dose of that every day so we can live a more free life. This is a very interesting interview, and not only do we get to know him, but we do go into a lot of topics of dating, of relationships. He's in a relationship that's an open relationship. He talks about that. Just an interesting dude with an interesting life, and he is just peaking. We had about a 1,000 people watch live when we did the, the YouTube live, and His fans really enjoy him. He's a very polarizing character. I don't know. You might not like him. We'll see. That's going to be for you to decide. And I have to say it was pretty cool. He flew in 
to do this interview. I don't have a lot of people that fly in these days with having Zencaster and and uh, all these other different types of platforms. You can just Zoom. You can just go live and do it from the comfort of your own home. But I'm trying to do more interviews where I can do things in person. I feel like there's just a connection that you have in person that can bring out a more interesting conversation when you're right there in front of a person, you know, old school, as they say. So very cool that he flew out to Chicago and and made a stop on his little journey that he makes every month going on different podcasts. Really just uh, one of my more fun times interviewing someone because it's refreshing to finally be in person. So why don't we get to it? Here's my interview with Destiny. Check it out. Steven, a.k.a. Destiny. What's up? Where did Destiny come from? Uh, When I was a kid, I thought it sounded cool. I named myself Destiny. Okay. That's literally it. I wish it was more dramatic than that, but I thought about creating a cool backstory for it, but it's kind of hard with the name Destiny. Okay. What age was that? Probably like nine. Okay. And then it just, it stuck with you. So do you get weirded out when people like say, well, what's up, Destiny? You're like, do you cringe at it? You're like, no, it's this. Because you introduced yourself over email with me as Steven, not Destiny. Yeah, that's my real life name. I think that online, the moniker, obviously my channel name, my Instagram, everything is Destiny. But in real life, I yeah, I go by Steven, believe it or not. Okay, cool. Um, I'm going to do my best with this interview because uh, last time I interviewed Someone who had a very big presence online. You might know him. His name is Andrew Tate. I interviewed him three years ago. Uh And all you see in the comments is everyone reaming me out for interrupting. So I'm going to try to learn. I don't think I interrupted too much. Maybe people just really love Tate that much. They just wanted to hear every single second. Interrupt as much as you want. Okay. Don't worry about it. Fantastic. Okay. Well, let's start. So first question on a scale of one to 10, how much are you enjoying life right now? I give it a... Anywhere from a seven to a nine. It just depends on the day. Okay. I mean, you must be excited by the fact that you're getting invited on all these live shows. You put out any sort of content, it gets hundreds of thousands, if not millions of views. Is that what you wanted to achieve? Like, is this something where you're like, oh, wow, I, I did the thing I was seeking to do? Or did it just kind of happen out of nowhere? Well, I, I mean, it depends on what point of my life you're talking about. When I was 19, 20, I think my dream was to make enough money not to get kicked out of my house. So, I mean, I would say I'm doing significantly better than that. As for where I'm at now, next year we'll find out what's going on. I, I think I probably want to do more politically active stuff. And there's, I finally have a couple of people behind the scenes that are helping me get connected a lot to kind of political uh, campaigns, and then we'll see how we can kind of utilize my audience that way. So that's like the next big thing. This past year has kind of been the whole red pill dating arc and everything, which has been interesting, but mostly just sad. So yeah. Sad? Yeah. How so? Red pill to me is kind of like the the Bigfoot, I guess, of the bird spotting world or whatever, of like where it's just like, it's this whole community of people that are, in my opinion, entirely delusional, but they've all like convinced themselves of these things that are completely not mapping onto any reality, either data-driven, anecdotally-driven, personally-driven. Um, the content creators don't do any of it. Like, it's just like insane to me how many people are kind of bought into these concepts. So, Okay. I was going to get into this later, but we'll, we'll get into it now. So sure. when I think of red pill, simply put, I think female nature, male nature. Would you say that's sort of the basis of what people are trying to explain in the manosphere and the red pill community? 
ostensibly, I mean, they say that sometimes it just feels like a lot of it is like very hate driven. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So do you think that there is any truth or even in your own experience to the fact that men and women are different? And so there is a sense of male nature and female nature. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, everybody's, I, th- I think you can say broadly speaking, men and women are different, but I think the overlap is way larger than the differences. Like a Venn diagram between men and women, like people act like it's like this, like barely touching, whereas it's probably like 85% overlap. I think there are a few key differences that are important to talk about, but the whole like men are from Mars, women are from Venus, I don't agree with that. I think we have way more in common than we do different. Okay, okay, got it. Okay, before we get back into that, mm-hmm. uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to do this interview is I, I personally wanted to learn more about you and who you are as a person. And of course, we'll get into more red pill stuff later and, and your thoughts and opinions on that. But, you know, where did you grow up? Uh, a place not too unlike this, actually, Omaha, Nebraska. Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What are you laughing about? You don't think Omaha and Chicago are fairly similar? Uh, n- Listen, hold on, listen, I've been living in LA, I've been living in Miami, okay, Chicago, Kansas City, St. Louis, Omaha, they're all pretty similar to me, okay, let's calm down here, all right? Okay, got it, yeah. Yeah, Okay, Midwestern, big, like, cities that are decent-sized cities, but they're not, like, coastal, you're not, like, in New York City, you're not in Seattle, you're not in San Francisco, so. You live in Miami. I do now, yeah. Uh, Do you like it? I do like it, but I'm still taking umbrage with the fact that you guys are making fun of my Omaha town, okay? No, listen- (laughs) I would say Chicago (laughs) is definitely different than your, well, I think Chicago is like a baby New York. Yeah. You would say how, oh, cause you're born and raised here. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. A baby New York. Okay. Yeah. It's a smaller version of New York. Not as So what does that mean? Like all of the crime, none of the economy or? (laughs) Um, I would say it is, I mean, versus like LA or Miami, it's got that urban feel. I can't imagine Omaha has an urban feel. Oh, we've got an urban feel. All right. We remodeled the whole downtown. It's got cobblestone, horses. Oh, very perfect. Yeah, the old market guys. Um, you went from dirt to cobblestone. Yeah, okay. And if you drive out, you can see cows and corn. It's pretty cool. We got internet down there, phones, electricity for at least 20 years. Like, yeah, it's a good place. Okay. Killing it. Okay, did yeah. you want to just get out of there as soon as you could? Um. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I have a son down there and I didn't want to move until he was like old enough for me to kind of have that conversation. So I didn't want to move when he was like two or three. So I waited until he was eight and then we talked about it and then I moved and yeah. Okay. Are you still close with the baby mama? Um, I mean, yeah, like we keep in contact. We have to parent and everything. We don't hate each other, but we're not like super close friends. But yeah, I mean, we talk a fair bit, usually about my son. Yeah. Okay. okay. Our son, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So you grew up in Omaha. What was your relationship like with your parents? relatively distant. They tried their best, but they were really busy with everything. So I kind of just stuck to myself. Yeah. Okay. How did you think that had a, an effect on you? Yeah, probably. I think probably a good one. I'm a pretty self-driven person. I don't need a lot of external validation or anything. That seems like that that's a positive effect. I mean, I would say so definitely in this industry to equip me to deal with a lot of adversity. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, I was, I was looking at your Instagram earlier and looking at the stuff that you were posting and on the stuff that you were posting on your Instagram, there's people over there hating on you. Yeah, it really just depends. You can probably follow, you know how like 
archaeologists can look at like a mountain and you can tell based on the layers of sediment, like, you know, the time period, you can go through my Instagram and find out which communities I was fighting with, probably based on the picture. You'll see some picture, a bunch of people calling me a cuck, probably red pillars. You might see a bunch of people calling me a Nazi, was probably fighting with left-leaning people. You see a bunch of people calling me racist. I was probably fighting with some BLMs. Like, it just depends. Yeah, that's how it goes. Okay. Who's next to fight with after the red pill? Um, You're getting into politics soon. Well, I mean, technically politics is where I come from. And then I got into red pill stuff. But next, I'm not too sure. It might be fighting. Hopefully it's fighting with Republicans because that's who I don't like the most um, going into the next year. It'll depend on how strong that kind of like far left movement is online, though, because they like to fight a lot, too. So but it should be fighting against Republicans and conservatives generally. OK, back to your parents. So do you keep it are you close with them now close-ish like we live close i think we probably live about an hour from each other but i mean i'm working like all the time but yeah oh they're in miami uh technically a place called homestead but yeah okay okay like an hour south yeah are they do they watch your stuff are they proud of what you do are they like holy shit our kid is killing it online and where the hell did this all come from yeah, a little bit. I mean, my, my parents super love me. They're supportive of basically whatever I do. My mom wishes I didn't cuss so much. <laughs> She's like a very MAGA, pro-Trump, uh, Cuban immigrant. But um, no, they both love me. They both support me. Yeah. Okay. Was there a lot of uh, intellectual discussion happening in your household? Like you've, you say all the, if you look at the sediment, right? And you look at all the debates you've had over the years, it, it almost would seem like you've come from a family of, intellectual discussion, debating, fighting. What, what did it, what did it look like? Or am, am I just totally off? Yeah, not at all. I, that would be cool though. Um, my parents are just very much have always been kind of like ride or die Republicans. So I grew up just like learning. I listened to Michael Savage, Sean Hannity, Rush Limbaugh, Billy Cunningham, all of these like conservative to Glenn Beck, all the conservative talk radio guys. Uh, I personally like to argue a lot. So like when I would go to school, I would fight with a lot of people. I'd argue that way. So I've always been kind of like a debater, argumentative person, but there wasn't much argumentation in my family because I just kind of like fell in line with all the conservative talking points basically okay did you get bullied or were you a bully when you were younger because you sound like you would be a bully based off of yeah we used to fight with people and start arguments with no people. i mean like i was i was funny i think if you're funny you get a pass on so many things so i had like a lot of different friends from a lot of different communities um just because i could always make anybody laugh also i i don't know if um I went to like uh, I went to a Catholic high school, so I don't know if life is significantly different there versus like on TV shows. But I would say in general, people weren't bullies there. Like you don't have like it, the biggest bullies that I ever remember in school. I don't know if it's like this in normal public schools, but the biggest bullies in school were usually kind of like the loser kids. They would just bully other people. But like people on the football team weren't bullying like random nerds or people like in the wrestling team weren't bullying like band kids or be, like that just didn't happen. Cause they, one, they usually stick around and two, usually most of those people are like generally pretty cool. Like they just saw you in the hallway and they might like, they might make a joke maybe or something, but generally, no, I never saw any of that kind of stuff in my school. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because what you're describing is just the portrayal of, of TV in the nineties. Yeah. That's what I'm asking, but I don't know, maybe in normal public schools, maybe it was like that. We're like, I can't imagine though, like in my high school, like a bunch of football kids, like going up to like a nerdy guy and like trying to bully him. Like they just wouldn't talk to him. They probably just like keep walking and they just talk with their friend group and everything. But right. I, it's almost, I, I would say you probably 
on average would not see that. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious like where that would even come from when you're watching TV and you're saying, well, why are all the jocks, the bullies and the nerds, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I went to a very big high school. I went to a 4,000 person high school. Okay. So there was so many clicks, like that whole idea of what like the media would portray or or Hollywood and television would portray was not at all. It was, it was this, it was a lot of interminglings. Yeah. So yeah, you'd have people who played sports who were played, who were friends with people who didn't play sports and, yeah, maybe there'd be someone who would be a bully, but it wouldn't be because of any specific reason of who you're associated with and if you're smart versus not smarter. Yeah, and usually when I think of the people that were bullies in my high school, usually they were, I say losers, it's kind of mean, but they're people that they're not doing extracurriculars, they're not part of any sports team, they're not, they're just kind of like on their own and they're kind of no honors classes, kind of weird, and they're just like kind of being rude to people, but- Super yeah. outsiders. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I think I heard you say on an interview that you're autistic. A lot of people say that. No, I think you said that. I about probably yourself. I say it jokingly. I don't. I don't okay, know. Okay, so that I, was a really dry joke. I yeah, maybe yeah. all my jokes are pretty autistic. dry. You know, I, I might We're be. On who the knows? You know? The jury's out on that right now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, interesting. Heterosexual, bisexual. Probably leaning into the bi one a little bit. Okay. So, and you have an open relationship mm-hmm. with your wife. Yeah. And so, are you hooking up? with men and women outside of the relationship? Sometimes, yeah, generally women, but yeah. Okay. When does it become that you're hooking up with, with men? I don't know, probably around like 29, 30. Okay, so that's like an old, it's like a phase. Well, that's when I started, so. Oh, that's when you started? Yeah. Okay, and is she bisexual as well? Yeah. Okay, so how does this play out in your relationship if it's open where you two can go off and hook up with Looks like at this point, lots of people because you're bisexual. I think where do the rules come into play? The, so in an ideal world, usually we're both seeing somebody at the same time or we're both traveling at the same time. So there's not like feelings of jealousy or resentment. And hopefully it's a person that's not like rude towards the other partner. So like if I find some girl that's like shitting on Molina publicly, probably not going to be okay. If she's with some guy that's like shitting on me publicly, probably not going to be okay. But I'd say like roughly speaking, those are kind of the rules. And then making sure that everybody's like currently happy in the relationship. Like it's probably not good to have like a big fight. And then, you know, I go hook up with somebody. It's probably not a good thing, you know? Got it. Okay. Yeah, that would make sense. So if you do have, is it, are hookups allowed or is it like, hey, it's not hooking up. You have to be in some sort of, there has to be some sort of emotional connection or more substantial thing. I'd say for our relationship, it's probably like hookups plus, um, like we're not quite like poly. We don't like have three people living in a household, like all dating and loving and blah, blah, blah. Would you like that? Yeah. As of recently, actually, cause I need somebody to cook and clean. So, you know, if there's a third wife out there that wants to, um, and that'd be an interesting lifestyle. I'm not sure. The big limiter right now, in my lifestyle is usually just that I work a lot. So like I barely have time enough time for my wife. So to add another person onto that, seems like it would be even more challenging. Yeah. But, but I think that like, I don't think neither me nor her prefer like just one night stands. It's not really that much fun. It's not fulfilling. So kind of like longer term, like sexual friendships, I think are the ideal. Sounds like a lot of work. I mean, as much work as maintaining any friendship is, right? Yeah, and friendships are a lot of work. Yeah, true. Well, have just you- like friends, but you fuck them, you know? <laughs> okay, okay, fair enough. All right, so I also heard on another interview, which I found interesting, you never seemingly had to ever look up dating advice when you were younger, you didn't have problems with women, you spent a lot of time around women when you were growing up. So tell me about that. 
Yeah, I think um, it's a combination of I grew up very independent. So I've kind of always been independently minded. So I'm not like generally looking for validation from external people. Do you have siblings? Technically, I've got like five, like four or five siblings or five or six siblings. Okay. But my parents were divorced before, so most of them are out of the house. So I'm kind of the second youngest, but then I'm also kind of like really the oldest brother of two. Of two. Like it's me and my little sister, however you read that. But um, I'm not very close with any of my family or siblings, so. Okay, but you're close with your parents. I'm not very close to my parents. They live near me and we try to see and talk to each other, but I'm pretty kind of like on my own generally most of the time, yeah. Do you just not like them? No, I just, I just, I'm, I'm just kind of like an on my own. I'm a Sigma male, you know? Have you ever heard the... Yeah, I, I've heard that before. Do you have a problem with Sigma males too? This guy says, he seems like he's got a lot he wants to say with it. No, I'm sorry. No, I, I, I truly do. I tend to just stick out on my own. Because um, I'm always black like... sheep. Um, well... How about lone Oops, wolf? Sorry, blue, blue okay. Sheep. How about lone wolf? Okay. Let's go with that one. No, I just, I like to do my own thing. Um, it makes me uncomfortable when people are like relying on me for happiness or like worried about me or want me to check in or, um, need something from me. Like I kind of like to do my own thing. I like to work when I want to work, hang out when I want to hang out, like do, I like to be in control of all my stuff. And generally the more attachments you have, the more you're kind of like owing other people. I just had a friend, I think I'm pretty sure a friend uh, talked to me like two days ago about this, about our relationship and how he says it works really well because we like to argue and shout at each other, but our expectations of each other are very, very, very low because it's hard for me to like commit to anything like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Being that and the way that you're describing yourself right now, it almost makes sense why you're in an open relationship where it's like, you almost don't want to commit to anything fully, but yourself. Yeah, that's well. If you want to put it in the most negative framing possible, sure. I, mean, I don't know if it's negative. It could. It's, it just is what it is. Okay, sure. It's okay. probably probably kind of true. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. All right. So back to what you were saying. You had a lot of girlfriends growing up. Kind of. Yeah. Okay. Tell me about that. So through a really bizarre stroke of luck, my mom moved out when I was like 14, 15 and she took my little sister because uh, she, my little sister homeschooled and my mom wanted to be with her mom in Florida when we lived in Nebraska. And then my dad moved out when I was like 15 or 16. So it was kind of just me living with my grandma in like a retirement home. And so it was a, like getting rides to school was a little difficult because I didn't have money for a car yet. The, my, sometimes my grandma's friends would drive me. There was a person I met online once who gave me a ride to school. Uh, just like kind of weird. Yeah, weird stuff. I happened to have a girl through a mutual friend contact me and she basically said that she could give me rides to school if I paid her a little bit of gas money. And because of that, I basically kind of became like a, stuck to her. So she would pick me up after school, but if she wanted to hang out with her friends or if she was like volunteering or doing whatever, I was kind of always around her and her group of friends. And so it was always her and like, five other girls that I'd be hanging out with all the time, basically. Yeah. So did you find that all that time spending around females that you started to feel comfortable around them or understand them more? I mean, I don't think I was ever necessarily, it probably helped a lot, but I don't think I've ever been like uncomfortable around any person. I was really lucky that I don't think I grew up feeling that way. Like I've always been able to integrate with a large amount of people. Like I've always been, even before streaming, I've always been like pretty non-clicky. Like I'll generally talk to most people or hear somebody out. And that probably just extended to the groups of friends too, like all the girls or whatever, yeah. Interesting. Now I was just thinking too, as you're saying this, this non-committal person that you are, no wonder you're going into all these different areas of debate. You know, it's like all these different topics, all these different communities. You're really heavy in the red pill manosphere debates right now. Who knows? Maybe in a year, two years, that's going to be, you know, out the window. You'll be, deba- you'll be debating someone else and you just kind of bounce around and. 
I mean, it just, it goes by whatever is currently capturing my interest. I have a wide variety of interests. So there's a lot of things that I enjoy debating, but sitting in one topic for like years and years kind of exhausts me because all the arguments basically get played out. Like even at this, there's going to be people in my audience that are memeing like, oh, what's the difference between men and women? Or, oh, what's, uh, do body counts matter? Because there are like so many of these types of conversation topics. Not to, <laughs> not to point out, I don't know if you're talking about these. No, enough, no, but I'm, like, I'm yeah. just looking right now. I haven't looked at the chat. Oh, sure. But it, it'll be the same like when I argued, um, when I was debating like communists for a long time, it's like, oh, are co-ops better than capitalism? Or, oh, are, is everybody systemically racist or evil? Or if I'm debating conservative, it's like, are we talking about trans people again? You know, so yeah, I'll get fatigued on a topic and then kind of move on to something else to talk about. Yeah. What do you hate debating the most? The two topics, one of which somehow I've been roped into debating a lot recently is veganism and abortion. Okay. Yeah. And you just don't enjoy that. They, they really like hit at the boundaries of like human knowledge, like things we can even know, like asking really hard questions, like what is it like to be an animal? And it's hard to answer really, like what is it like to be a human? Um, or when does human consciousness start? Or when does human life start? Like these are things that test a lot of like the absolute boundaries of things we can know. So it's kind of annoying to argue them because people have really strong opinions about them. You don't seem like an absolute guy. Uh, is there what, anything like half feel, woman or no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I know what you mean. Um, is there anything you do feel absolute on? Um, yeah, there are a few things. Yeah. Like, like, um, oh, I have my notes somewhere. I, I think I've like distilled, like there's like five, um, cause I know people like list so much. There's like five kind of like broad rules for, I say like politics, but it's probably for life in general. Okay. I'm not going to remember all this stuff in my head, but like one is like, if you're ever trying to figure something out, don't just define yourself by your opposition. So like teens might go through a rebellious phase, but you don't want to spend your whole life saying these guys believe that. So I'm going to believe the opposite. People do that all the time. Don't demonize or villainize people that disagree with you. People can disagree with you for reasons that are virtuous. Even if you guys have totally opposite uh, feelings about a thing, it's probably not That's that they're a hard one. Yeah. But people assume people are evil. Like if they disagree, it's because they're evil, horrible people. There's probably some others. I don't remember the other three. I have notes for, I gave a speech to a bunch of high schools the other day and I, I like formalized this, but there's just like a couple of kind of like, like approaches to life basically that I try to, that I've kind of kept for probably about 20 years that I haven't really changed my mind on at all. So I don't think I'm going Destiny's to. Destiny's five commandments of Something of like living. that basically, yeah. Don't follow politics if it makes you miserable all the time. That's stupid. Like always start with yourself. You can't go out and build communities or families or the world if your own place is like a nightmare. Don't get like so ex, like obsessed with the, like the federal government, the international world, if like your own individual world is miserable, like clean up the area around you. Yeah, there's probably, there's a couple more. But This yeah. is Destiny's Rule to Life. This is your book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are you going to write a book? Uh, if I get banned on YouTube, sure. <laughs> I don't need the money right now though, but maybe. I doubt you'll get banned on YouTube. Okay, we'll see. After. I admire the vote of confidence though. If, if Fresh and Fit are not banned from YouTube, I don't know how you would be gone before them. They're on like strike two. So are they? I think so. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, I read that on Reddit. Maybe they're not, but well, then you have to get on rumble, right? Maybe do, do that whole thing. Okay. So you grew up a lot of, uh, around a lot of female friends. It's interesting. So as you're just learning, I'm a dating coach for men. Mm -hmm. So I help shy men and men who are even not necessarily shy, attract women, be able to have dating lives that they want, basically have more choice in women. Mm -hmm. And so I, when I heard on one of the interviews that you grew up around women and that I remember you said something to the degree of, okay, you weren't uncomfortable around them from the beginning, but it's still taught you some things. Mm -hmm. And I also grew up around women. I had a close relationship with my mom. I had a girl best friend who lived across the street from me. 
She had her girlfriends. I would hang out with them all the time. I was like in the inner female circle and of course friend zoned, which wasn't really a problem. I wasn't trying to go after those women or anything like that, but I, I was around women all the time. And even though I had that experience, I only felt that that maybe helped me 25% of the way in terms of understanding women to the point of like, how do I get them attracted to me? Because the advice I would hear from them all the time, what I remember was be really nice to women and lots of compliments and just all this kind of like be a sweetie. And that did not help me in college. That did not help me in my early twenties. And so pre-red pill, I found the pickup community, which is another community which is can be very dangerous if you go too far into it. Uh-huh. Luckily for me, I didn't go too far into it. I picked what would work and what didn't work, but the things that I found worked were the opposite of what I was around when I was around a lot of women, which was being more assertive, being more confident, not giving them lots of compliments, not trying to uh, be the simp as they say. So I'm curious your thoughts on, you know, this idea of the advice that you might hear from betas or blue pill versus what you might hear in like a red pill community. Both seem to be maybe on the extreme end, but any thoughts on that in terms of like being nice versus not being nice, simp, non-simp, things like that. Anybody that describes themselves as a pill, I would suggest ignoring completely because usually their advice is way too extreme and usually they don't understand what they're saying. Um, Like people can give good advice without understanding why it's good. Like telling you to be nice to women is good advice and it can work in some circumstances if you understand why. Telling somebody to be mean to women can be good advice and it can work, but you don't understand why. Um, The most important thing about spending time with women though is that you're not nervous around women, right? So like when you say it's like- I agree with that. Yeah, you say it's like only 25% of the way there, but I mean like for a car, one tire is only 25% of the tires on the car, but it's not moving unless all four wheels are there, right? So being around women and being comfortable around women is that's gonna be a prerequisite for anything. You can have the smoothest pickup lines in the world, but you know, like if you're like nervous and scared and you can't look somebody in the eye and you're like freaking out, it doesn't really matter if the other 75% is there. So I think being comfortable around women is probably the important like first step. From there, I mean, there's like a million things I could say. More specifically, what do you want? Like the difference between- I want anything, anything. Hit me with whatever you got. In, in my personal opinion, the most important quality that you can have in all of life, and it affects dating, uh, relationships, romantic and non-romantic, friendships, business things or whatever, is usually some level of confidence. By being confident in yourself, by loving and respecting yourself, from that will stem oftentimes positive behaviors that are very attractive towards other people without you even deliberately working on it. Like I think I spent a lot of deliberate internal work, especially I went from being like Catholic to atheist. So there was a lot of like self-reflection there, probably when I was like 16, 17. Still atheist? Yes. Okay. But I, I don't know if I've put that much deliberate work into like being a pickup artist. Like I think most of that just kind of like stems naturally from the general reflections I do on myself and socializing. And then a lot of it just kind of works for relationships as well. So for instance, we can talk about like negging is very hard to understand for some people. You go up to a woman and you kind of like be mean to her and sometimes somehow that makes her like you. A blue pillar might say you're being emotionally manipulative to make her reliant on you for validation. A red pillar might say 
Um, you have to put her in her place so that she has to chase you or whatever. I love that you know the sides so well. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, like different people have like different yeah angles on things. In my opinion, I learned this really early on, and I noticed this, this is just an observation when talking to women. I have I I know who I am. I've got my friends. I don't like desperate for anybody's attention. Mm-hmm. I noticed this. Um, I noticed this a lot when I was working at the casino. Um, I had a job like as uh, uh, working in a cafe. That when How I would, old are you at this point? Um, I think nineteen. I think nineteen. Okay, nineteen twenty. Quite a while ago, yeah. Yeah. I noticed when I was like talking to women that sometimes a woman would tell me something. We'd be like, oh, like what's like your favorite band? And she'd be like, you know, third eye blind. And I like, I genuinely like wouldn't like, I probably shouldn't have said because I probably did like third eye blind when I was a teenager. But I might say something like, oh, I hate that group. They have like the worst music ever. And I noticed that like when I'd say something like that, the response I would get from the other person was it, they felt like really excited to argue and they felt like the conversation got very playful. And in retrospect, I realized for a lot of these things, it was probably the first time a lot of these girls have ever had a guy there age like fight them on a point because I think they're used to guys just kind of like being really clingy and really simpy and it's like that's my favorite band too that's my favorite movie too I like all the things you like please love me and accept me you know so being willing to have like a backbone and kind of like play with people I think was a really important part of like these I don't know you call them boy girl dynamics or whatever um attraction yeah dynamics but that's something that just like that just stemmed from my self-confidence like if you if I disagree with you about something then I'll say it and we'll fight about it but I won't be personal about it yeah but that's how I would explain like that type of interaction people on the left will say like oh you're just being an asshole it's like not real I'm never really being an asshole to somebody like it's very rare that like like people this is a claim I get a lot on streaming like people say oh you neg women all the time it's like not really like if I'm fighting with somebody it's over something like a choice in movies or media or something I'm never going up to him like you look so fat in that dress you're like i'd never fucking say that and that's not gonna work like a girl's not gonna be like oh like let's argue about that she's gonna fucking hate you you know so yeah i would say being confident but the reason why i don't do this like dating advice or dating coach stuff is because i don't know how to get to that point that's a really it's an easy thing to say but it's obviously very difficult for a lot of people to do but confidence is probably the building block of every single other trait that you're going to develop in life i think do you feel you have full confidence yeah i would say so no insecurities not really, no. Not even one. I mean, I'm sh- I'm sure theoretically. Or did you have them and you worked through them? It's for since high school. I just have been. I've said this a lot. I'm very internally driven. Like I usually don't care much what other people say about me. I mean, like I like obviously I'm gonna get upset if like people are mischaracterizing my opinions or if like I've got like anti fans in my community or whatever. But um, very rarely will somebody say something to me, and now I'm like have a crisis of conscience where I'm like, oh my God, like maybe I am actually like a horrible person or maybe blah, blah, blah. Like that just generally doesn't happen much. Yeah. Do you feel you've grown more confident over the past three, four years with the audience that you've built and, and with the popularity that's grown? Has that, no, I think I've been, I think I've been pretty confident since high school. I think I kind of had to be because a lot of things I wanted to pursue and do were kind of like absent my parents, like especially by 16, I'm pretty sure by 16, my dad and mom had moved out. So I'm not like doing concerts, like waiting for my mom and dad to be in the audience, like cheering me on, or I'm not like, uh, you know, doing things for the approval of parents or family or professors or anything. So I think I've always just kind of been like pretty internally driven. And then that's just carried over to like my streaming world too. Let me try a new word. Self-esteem. Has your self-esteem grown from what you've created online in the past five years? I've always said pretty, I, I, I would consider these things like one and the same. Yeah. Interesting. I, I think for most people, this is how I would say, if your self-esteem is growing or your confidence is growing because of like audience reaction, what you're actually doing is you're being held hostage by the audience. I always tell this to a new person that comes on stream. Sometimes somebody will come on stream and they'll start liking me. They're like, oh, these people like really like me. And I always say, don't, that shouldn't matter because today they might like you and tomorrow they might hate you. 
and it's going to fuck with your head a lot if you're relying on them for your validation. So generally, like my community likes me, but f- probably for the next week, I'm about to go through an arc where I fight them all on this stupid like YouTuber react content shit where they're all fucking wrong and I know they're wrong, but like a lot of them are going to fucking hate me for it. But it's like, whatever. There's probably going to be like 10 threads on my server. There's probably threads right now about some tweets I made where people are like, oh, fuck Destiny, so fucking wrong on this spot. But it's like, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, uh, my phone's over there, but you just, I saw you tweeted that you think most YouTubers are terrible. Like oh, that was a, a, a we, worse oh, one yeah. Most YouTubers are terrible and you only like less than 10 of them. I think in this world, I think the public pressure just drives people in very interesting ways that a lot of people individually aren't tested on. Do you ever get the, um, <laughs> it sounds kind of mean, but like there's a phenomenon. I don't want to, I'm not justifying anything. I'm just explaining everything. No normative loading. Okay. There's a phenomenon where guys that are very regular guys would have to try really, really hard to like find girls to like cheat on their wife or significant other with who will like these other guys. would be like a 20 year old, 21 year old guy gets mega famous and then he cheats on his girlfriend and the guy's like, I can't believe you did. I've never fucking did that in my life. What a horrible thing. And it's like, bro, you have no idea what you would do if you were 21 years old and there's a million women throwing themselves at you. Like, how are you even going to begin to judge that? I think that people that get famous get tested in a lot of different ways that Ordinary people don't. And I think that that compounding factor makes online relationships very, very, very difficult. For instance, like it's probably normal that friends should talk other friends behind their back. It probably happens to most people where a friend will say something that is kind of mean about one friend to another friend in a different setting. And in real life, that's not that big a deal unless somebody's really bad about it. Like it just happens. But online, one or two instances of that can be like the most dramatic thing ever, right? Rather than, you know, Rather than John going over to, to David's house and talking a little bit of shit at a party, now John is on a live stream in front of 200,000 people uh, talking shit about another guy. And now that blows up. Communities get involved. Feelings get hurt. Everybody hates each other. Yeah. So I think on, the online world just like selects for really crazy people and then it tries them in very challenging ways. And then everybody ends up being like a horrible person because of it. Do you feel like you're in the middle of that? Um, with yeah. Your, that's, with your online presence. What do you mean? What is it? No, I'm saying with your own. Oh, yeah, presence. of course. Yeah, I'm surrounded by all these people. Some of it by choice too, but yeah. Okay. Are you friends with a lot of the red pill characters? Mm, I think I just recently axed out the last two, so probably not. I'd say like what roughly- you axed out the last two? Like people that were, I was kind of friends with, but it's just like too oh. much, yeah. Can you name? Uh, yeah, the one guy is John Zerka who kind of, I don't want to say he came up through my stream. That's not really fair, but he's a guy that I've kind of like helped and kind of like uh, supported or- um, vouched for, I think over the past few years, but like he's had a recent blow up recently, but he's just like, he's unhinged. He's uh super big, like cokehead. Um, Is that like the guy who has the sunglasses on and the big, robe, big, strong dude. I wouldn't say big, strong. He's tall. Okay. Um, I'm you thinking of someone else. No, you're thinking of the right guy. He wears like a robe everywhere now and he's got sunglasses. Or maybe it talks like this fucking John Circus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, that yes. guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's him. Yeah. Yeah, he's just unhinged on social media now. I think, like, I think I blocked him. I think a week ago, and I think he's been tweeting about me nonstop. If I go check you right now on, on, what? on Twitter, <laughs> it's just too much. So you blocked him so he couldn't look at your stuff anymore. Well, because I was just tired of watching him shit on me, shit on my wife, like just going off, like oh, constantly. interesting. Yeah. So you do get tired of that? Yeah, I don't like, like if people, especially people are going to attack people around me. There's a lot me. of hate on you on the internet. Yeah, which most of it is like, I understand it. But if we're supposed to be like colleagues or friends and like, fuck you, I'm going to hold you to a different standard, right? Like there are going to be some people that I'll associate with like- going too far. It's not going too far. It's like, what is our relationship? Like there are people that I would talk to that probably super disagree with me or like hate me or whatever, but like we're enemies, so I'll talk to you. But if we're supposed to be like friends or colleagues or whatever and you're doing it, then yeah, fuck you. I don't want to associate with you. Okay. 
Who do you like the least in this Manosphere community? What do I like the least? Probably Andrew Tate. <laughs> I could have guessed that. He blocked you know, Mentor. Fuck funny, him. I like forget about him in this community mm-hmm. just because he's not, he's dealing with other topics at this point. Yeah. You know, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Who do you like the most? It sounds, man, it's not, we disagree on everything so much. And I, I might even say this guy is contributing evil to the world, but honestly, like uh, I think the Myron, I don't remember his real name, but Myron from Fresh and Fit, I have a lot of respect for him as a person. Even if I completely disagree with everything he says, he's super driven, very focused, very hardworking, very respectful of people that he considers friends, very sensitive to people that, that unfriend him, that like burn bridges with him. Um, but yeah, he seems to have a high level of mutual respect for people that he works with, sometimes even to his detriment. So I respect that a lot in him and I respect him as a, a colleague or a coworker or whatever, I guess, even if we disagree on like everything in life. Yeah. Like you said, one of your principles, just because you might disagree with someone doesn't mean you need to demonize them. <clears throat> sure. Yeah. Okay. Do you guys like chat as friends off not much, no. Airing off social media? No. It might be interesting too, but no. I don't even know if we would. I don't know if I would help him out of principle <laughs> for anything, but um, I, I have a lot of respect for him as a person. He's like a really, yeah. How do you mean by that? That you wouldn't help him out of principle? Well, fuck. I don't know if like, uh, if I feel like his message is like so much contrary to mine, I don't know if- <laughs> You want to support that. Like you don't yeah, want to support yeah. that. But I mean, I would expect the same for him. I wouldn't expect him to be like, connect me with these people so that I can go blue pill. Cause technically every time we're arguing with each other on one of our shows, we're like fighting for each other's audience in a way, you know? Right. Yeah. Trying to get them over. To Basically. The other side. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. How would you define new topic? How would you define a healthy relationship? We'll say romantic relationship versus friendship. I think um, a healthy relationship is one in which both people are, generally in terms of time, generally happy, aren't having to constantly second guess themselves that they're getting like mind fucked by a partner, feel like they're being heard and seen with all of their like problems. Um, Somebody who your partner can like celebrate successes with you. um, And then somebody who has a partner that's like adding value to their life in some way. And that, that value doesn't have to be like monetary. It could just be like somebody that you enjoy spending time with somebody that you enjoy doing activities with somebody that you, you know, you love and you like spending time with. Yeah. What's your wife's name again? Uh, Melina. Melina. Yeah. How does Melina? I thought that was like a trick question. (laughs) All trick questions. Melina, right? Yeah. How does she add value to your life? Um, And how do you add value to hers? (laughs) The second question might be harder. In terms of adding value to my life, uh, it's really fun to be around her. She's like driven me to be more active, like physically, which is good. I like to, there are probably like movies or physical activities that I might not do as much um, if she wasn't around. So things like we went like rock climbing with friends. I know we did like a shooting trip for a weekend in um, like Alabama or Georgia or something. Fuck, I don't remember. Louisiana, I think. She got me to actually get like professional pictures done, like flying up to New York with like a photographer and stuff. So I have real uh, pictures instead of the crazy, horrible ones that show up all the time <laughs> on the internet. She's like, uh, I, at times, as long as we're not fighting, like I can bounce things off of her emotionally. And she's got like a very different perspective on the world, which is interesting to see. I've definitely traveled a lot more because of her. Like I've gone to places with her and other countries that I probably wouldn't have gone to my own. Watching her grow her internet stuff has been really cool. Like she's like, I think five years ago, I don't even know if she barely had internet. Like she traveled in a van in New Zealand and now she's like managing multiple platforms, multiple employees, like multiple sponsorships and everything. So from like a monetary business point of view, it's like cool watching her grow that way. I can probably buy a house or something together. Um, what is her platform online? Like what does she do? Online content creation, similar to me, she does. So her big platforms are like Twitch and she does Fansly. She's probably doing okay on TikTok and growing a YouTube as well. So just like all the normal I what, guess, is she, like, what is she talking about? 
I think broadly speaking for her, it's just like IRL. So in real life. So it's like traveling, chatting with her audience, like stuff like that. Influencer kind of, kind of Basically, stuff. Look yeah. at my life. This is what I'm doing. Kind of. Yeah. And then just talking to her audience about things. Yeah. Okay. And how do you add value to her life? Um, you, said, you said earlier that's going to be a hard question to answer. Yeah, because I'm a very independent person, and I'm. But th- there, there is an answer, or else she wouldn't be with you. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, right. Um, Why else are we with people? They add some sort of value. True. I think I'm Unless pretty. They're being like completely manipulated in some way. True. But even there, there's probably. I mean, some there's false a big age gap, so maybe I am. How old is she? 24. 24. Okay. Yeah. How do I add value in her life? I mean, hopefully she enjoys hanging around me. Uh, hopefully she loves me and she likes spending time with me that way. We watch movies. I introduce her to things she might not have seen otherwise. Hopefully business-wise, I've been somewhat of a help. Like I connected her with some employees. Um, I helped push her to do some types of online content. Although she's largely like taking care of a lot of that on her own. Yeah. How did you guys start the conversation of open relationship? That Was that right from the beginning? Because- I mean, you're married. Mm-hmm. You don't have a ring on. You, you don't do the ring? Um, we, we will eventually. I just need to fucking find one. Initially, we were both not wedding people. We just didn't care that much. But she is a Swedish citizen, so we have to get married so she can get a green card. But now I think our feelings, I think it would be nice to do like a ceremony and have like a ring and everything. We just like haven't done it yet. She's like traveling right now. Um, I'm working right now, but we'll probably do it eventually. Okay. Stop being lazy. <laughs> okay. So then how did, yeah. How did the open relationship conversation come into this? She's always done very open relationships. And after my last relationship, I realized that I probably, I don't think I could ever like just commit sexually to one person for the rest of my life. It seems like impossible for me to do. So I initially I was going to be single forever. I wrote a post in my subreddit saying like, for me personally, I'm swearing off our relationships. If you see me getting into a relationship, call me an idiot. <laughs> um, but then when I ran into Melina, she's like, oh, I only do open relationships. And I hadn't really thought that much about that concept at the time. I was like, oh, okay, that sounds cool. Let's try it. Sure. Okay. And the internet's very loud mm-hmm. on your personal choice of having an open relationship. People just love calling you a cuck. And, yeah, that's like it's a, it's a it. yeah, it's a new thing. Cuck hunting has become like an obsession. I think with red pillars over the past two years, I think a lot of it is like a projection of insecurity around women, worrying that women have been with better guys, worried that women have got a higher body count, worried that women have been with bigger dicks. And I think that they take that projection, and I think they hardcore see it like everywhere. Like people call you a cuck if the woman you're dating has like fucked more guys than you, or has been with like a black guy, or looks at another guy. Or yeah, it's just so the obsession with like, or like with Adam 22 recently, like he's a cuck now because his wife like fucked a guy and they're like both porn stars. I'm like, what the fuck? Um, So funnily enough, like three years ago and earlier, I'd never been called a cuck. There are a lot of people that are like open relationships are kind of weird. I don't understand it. But like, call like, why would you call someone an open relationship a cuck? That's a very new phenomenon over the past two years with the red pill stuff with a lot of like the cuck hunting obsession. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because- I understand why there might be some people who are super religious because they have a very specific way that they want to live life and they want to also spread that message. Uh So they might be really intense at saying like, no, this person's a cuck and whatever. But the people who are not religious, I don't understand why you would go out of your way to leave a comment and bully. The problem is that what is that you have an underlying view of the world and other types of people can challenge that view. And that creates an incongruency that has to be reconciled one of two ways. So if you're a red pillar and you see a guy 
that guy has to align with you in 99% of ways. So he wants a low body count virgin. The idea of his girl like fucking somebody else, that's impossible because that would destroy you. It's the worst thing ever as a man. And that has to be true. And if you find another guy and that doesn't seem to be true, a massive incongruency has been created, a big dissonance in your head. And you can resolve it in, in one of three ways, really. One way is you say, fuck, okay, maybe I'm just like ultra super insecure if I can't even fathom that he's like living that lifestyle. Or two, the most common one is that guy's massively coping and he's actually cucking, he knows it and he's just like limited by his options and he's lying about being okay with it. And then the third one would be like a worldview shift, which is really difficult to do. So most people opt for two in terms of saying that guy's like coping or whatever. Interesting. Okay, so, you know, it begs the question too, does it ever have any emotional effect, even a little bit, thinking of Melina being with another man? For me, no, but I understand like I'm a big outlier there. Like I said, I'm very independent. I like the ability to pursue my things um, and I like to work on my stuff. Like I can do work and everything too. The, the way that I tend to view relationships, um, I just recently realized this. Everything I'm saying here, I understand is like incredibly unique. I don't, I'm not like, uh, saying everybody should feel this way or everybody should do this because I know a lot of people get triggered whenever I describe like my view on things for this. The thing that usually makes me jealous is if I lose access to somebody. So if there's like a girl that I'm like casually seeing even on the side, it's just like, oh, I got a boyfriend. Like I might feel a little bit bad because like, oh fuck, like I can't, that means I can't probably see you in certain ways anymore. Um, but as long as I can like see somebody the ways that I want to, I don't really care what else they do in their free time. Like that doesn't affect me much. So if Melina's like fucking some other dude. Now, if she was like, well, I can't be with you anymore. Then I'd be like, oh, well, fuck that sucks. But as long as like when they're with me, they're with me. And if they want to hang out with other people, that's fine. It doesn't bother me as much. It's almost as if I'm talking to like a half robot and there's like barely any emotions in there. You're telling me if a Melina left you, you'd be like, oh, fuck. All right. Well, next. Well, I'm saying that would suck. That would be, that was the emotional part. Okay. okay. I'm more thinking of me like a child without object permanence. Like if you walk behind the wall, I don't see you anymore. So, okay. So, I mean, do you go into it? Would you go into a depression? Would it be two days of heartbreak and you just get over it? I mean, what would happen if she just like fell in love with someone else? Um, or the worst, or the worst things a woman could say, fell in love with someone else, bigger penis, so much more successful. You're a loser. Peace. Um, I feel like this is probably due to like my position and everything now. So maybe like 15 years ago, that would have sucked a lot, but like, I know who I am. I know the value that I offer to people. I know the strengths that I have and I know I'm relatively unique. Um, if you find somebody different than me, then I mean, that's, that's on you then, then, I mean, you find somebody different, that's fine. But I don't think I would view myself any differently. Like there are going to be some things that I just like can't compete with. So if she's like, oh, like I need a guy with a 12 inch dick and like my dick is only 10 inches long. Right. So I can't compete with that. Uh, it'd be like, whatever. I can't change that. Right. If somebody's like, oh, I want to be the guy that's six two. I was like, okay, well, I mean, what am I going to do? I'm not going to feel bad about it. I can't do anything about it. If it's like a personality trait, like somebody's more intelligent or successful. I mean, these are things that I'm like working at. I'll keep working at it. But I guess in my mind, and again, I, I hate caveating because everybody's going to misquote me anyways. I don't give a fuck. If I'm in an open relationship and my partner can sleep with other people and do things and they're still with me at the end of the day, that's more important to me than like being in a monogamous relationship where I'm like, fuck, if you got to like sleep with another dude, if you got to like talk to another guy in a certain way, I think you would leave me immediately. And I'm really glad we're in a monogamous relationship so I can protect that. That's how I view it. But I understand that not everybody has the same view on that. Yeah, I, you definitely are an outlier. I would say- <laughs> I understand that. I mean, I admire- this solid confidence and extreme self-acceptance that you have. And I try, well, I try to do those things in my own life. And uh -huh. I also try to preach that as well. 
to talk to guys and say, Hey, you know what? There's things that you just can't change. And so you're wasting your time focusing on those things. Yeah. It's guys who are under six feet or they're of a non-Caucasian race and they're in America and they're trying to attract Caucasian women. Oh, women don't like this. It's like, well, we can sit here and talk about this all day or we can just say, can you do anything about it? No, I can't. So let's move on. Yeah. Focus on what you can work on. Right. Focus on what you can work on. You seem to really embody that idea. Yeah. Hopefully I try to. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever preach that? Like, so as an advice channel, uh, I'm a big should guy, right? I'm shooting people all the time. You should do this. You should do this. This is what you should do. Uh, I even do maybe too much in my personal life with friends or family or whatever. A lot of unsolicited advice. Mm-hmm. I know you gave a little bit of your, I call now destiny's five commandments, but okay. do, do you, do you should people at all? You're like, nah, this is what you, this is how you should be doing it. This is what I focus on things. I focus, the things that I should people on are, you probably know me for red pill stuff, but I'm truly, I'm known for politics. Usually what I'm pushing people on are like, uh, things related to thought processes, uh, and like critical thinking. That's the big thing. So like your meta thoughts, like how do you evaluate your own thoughts? How do you protect yourself from cognitive biases? It's all like political stuff. I don't usually coach people to give a lot of like personal advice because for me, like I said, a lot of it just kind of flows naturally from that self-confidence thing. So a lot of the things that I'm going to say are going to be like, they're probably going to come off as like relatively empty platitudes to people. So like, for instance, here's something that I would say that's really important, right? Don't worry about what you can't fix and work on what you can fix. And that's vital for me. But that comment, that statement, it sits on top of a lot of assumptions. Okay. So it's easy for me to say, because the things that I do have make me pretty attracted to women and make me pretty successful in the world. But what if you've got a guy who's not attracted to women and who isn't successful? That it's it's like the equivalent of a guy, it's like the equivalent of like a Giga Chad guy talking to kind of like a nerdy dude. And he's like, you know, you just, just gotta go be yourself. Talk to her. Yeah, be yourself, dude. Yeah. Just be yourself. Go up to her, talk to be yourself. And it's like, that's not enough for some people because themselves suck. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of the advice that I give or a lot of things that work for me are kind of these um they're like second or third order things that stem from that place of like really good self-confidence, really good people, social skills, uh, really good listening and understanding, really good conversational skills. Like I have that. So then from there, it's very easy for me to be like, it's like the equivalent of somebody like me saying like, I don't do gambling sponsorships. And it's like, okay, but you make so much money, like good for you, I guess, but it'd be a lot harder. And I don't know if I'd have the same stance if I had like a hundred viewers and I'm making like $1,500 a month, would I still be like, I don't take gambling sponsorships, right? you know? Yeah. So I, I try not to, from my position, especially because like socially, I'm pretty well adjusted and everything to say things like, oh, just be yourself guys. Like just be confident and don't worry about the things that you can't fix. And like some guy has like acid scars from a terrorist attack and like a peg leg and he's like a mute. And it's like, well, thanks dude. Like, let me go learn fucking sign language. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. This is the the whole idea of telling people to just be yourself. Exactly. Which yeah. I, I preach is, mm-hmm. is the worst advice. If someone's trying to get that advice, if mm-hmm. you're asking like, how do I meet girls? And someone says, just be yourself. Clearly they've already been doing that. Yeah. And it's not working. Yeah. And even, even like working. the advice for like me and girls, I'll say like the most important thing you can do is go back in time and just have like girls that are friends in high school. Um, and then past that, it gets way harder because the next piece of advice I have is you have to put yourself in scenarios where there are other women so you can get accustomed to like socializing and talking with them. But man, out of college, that's really fucking hard. If I wasn't a streamer, I don't know how I would do it. Like I meet girls on Tinder sometimes, but like, I don't think I could go to a bar or a fucking club or like a painting class. I think I would kill myself. I don't know if I could actually handle these things. So I literally experienced that. So when I was, so I went to university of Illinois, Mm -hmm. 40,000 
students there. I was in a fraternity. So Mm -hmm. I had just social life built in, by the way, didn't make me very good with women still, but I had social life built in. So opportunities were there. Then I leave and graduate. I moved to LA, which I consider and probably still consider like the Harvard of dating, meaning one of the hardest places that you can try to meet women. I'm 22. I don't really have a lot of confidence. I don't have a lot of self-esteem. I don't have anything that I've built or I've done. Mm -hmm. And now I'm in a place where it's so hard to meet women. So I did the thing that you just said that you would never do. I forced myself without alcohol to go out and talk to women at bars and clubs, sometimes four to six to seven nights a week, just so I could put myself in front of women and try to get better at it. So I was the student of pickup because mm-hmm. that was the dating advice in 2007 and 2006, where I was like, okay, how do you, how do you meet girls? And that taught me a lot of really extreme shit, like the neg that you were you know, mm-hmm. referring to earlier. And I even tried that. It, it didn't work. I like said a neg one time to a girl at a bar. I was like, I don't even, it was so, it's so cringy. Like I can't even say it, but I just will. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, she was, she was tall and I'm, I'm a fairly tall guy ish. She was taller than me. And I go, man, you're tall. You're like big bird. (laughs) We were having the greatest conversation. And in five (laughs) minutes after I say that her face drops and she goes, what the fuck? And walks away. And I go, oh my God. A way that you can hit on that. That's kind of funny that I've learned, especially because I'm kind of, I'm five, eight is if you ask a girl, another way to get at that is like, uh, so did you play basketball or volleyball in high school? Because all of the, every fucking tall girl I've ever talked to has played either basketball or volleyball. You can usually bridge that into another conversation, but the big bird comment, that's yeah, a, so you're that hitting on a lot of weird things there. So, well. so that, <laughs> that was one of the many moments where I was like, uh, maybe this pickup stuff isn't really working. Uh-huh. So then I just, throughout all of these concepts and things that I, I read, cause I was like downloading torrents and reading and watching all this stuff. And I was like, I think I just need to go out and talk to women and just do that part first. What is, okay. I'm so curious cause I've wanted to do this, but I've been lazy. When you go to a bar to talk to somebody, yeah, are they just like, is it just a girl sitting at a table waiting for somebody to talk to her? Or like, what is that experience? Like, I'm so curious. Yeah. So most of the time it's going to be a girl with her girlfriends. Yeah. It, well, okay. If you're at a club, it's going to be a girl. I don't with, care. I'm never going to a club. Try the bar. Let's do the bar. Okay. If you're at a bar, well, <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you the experience, right? Sure. Yeah. I'm just curious. At yeah. a bar, it's going to be similar to a club. She's going to be with her friends, but at a bar, if it's a little bit more low key, mm-hmm. she might be with like one friend. Okay. She's definitely not going to be alone. So you're just going to be going up and you're going to be starting a conversation with the group. The advice that I give as a dating coach is now don't go up to the whole group you go up to the girl that you're interested, you start conversation with her and then you start to bring in the other women or if they're with guys or whoever in as needed. Mm -hmm. But if you go into a group and you start a conversation with let's say five people, that's a very difficult conversation to maintain. And that doesn't get you closer to your goal, which is you're really trying to talk to that one girl that you're interested in. Okay. So it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of balls. I got so many random questions. Okay. Number one, Yeah. if a girl is at a bar do you think they're generally expecting to get approached? Is that like the goal? Uh, most of the time, yes. Okay, most of the time, yes. Well, if they're single, yes. Well, when, okay, when well, that was getting my question. Are they generally single? Or have you ever been talking to a girl and you actually kick it off like pretty well and like an hour in, she's like, it's been fun chatting. Like my boyfriend's here to pick me up. And then she just like- <laughs> That is more common if you do daytime approaches. So outside of the bar or club. Oh, okay, that's true, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, you'll get a lot of, 
a married, a, I have a boyfriend sure, yeah. in the club, in the bar, I'd say most times they don't, or if they, or they're lying to you. Sure. Well, that's know? fine. I mean, I'm if not they're lying that, to you, that's, that means you're in, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it, it, but of course there are women who go to bars and clubs who have boyfriends, mm-hmm. but it's, it is a great spot to have more options with single women. Mm-hmm. And the third one, I'm curious, what does your cold open look like? Are you like telling a knock knock joke or like what is your cold open where you see like obviously not that but like you see like three girls That's amazing, or two girls though. sitting down? That's gonna be my 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 new my next video on YouTube how to how to pick up a girl with a knock knock joke. Um, no, it's it's really as simple as hi, hey, two seconds, I wanted to come and meet you. Gotcha. You can literally use that to meet any woman anytime anywhere. Okay. Hey, two seconds, I wanted to come over and meet you. Gotcha. It's funny all this pickup shit that I learned back mm-hmm. in two thousand seven. I never saw that once. It was always some sort of line or opinion openers and things like that. Mm-hmm. And they work because people did them and they got results from them. But personally, when I would try to go out and use it, I mean, I felt like I was being an actor and I had to keep up this thing. And I was too worried about like, well, what if they've heard it before? Memorizing the pickup lines got me way too in my head. And then I realized, oh, you can just go up and start conversation and you can get results. I mean, it's not just like you go up there and you have, hey, what's going on? I wanted to come meet you. And then like you have this really boring conversation. More has to come after that. Like you were saying earlier, like teasing a girl, having fun with her, giving a little bit shit, having an entertaining and fun conversation. Uh But as far as opening up, you can literally say whatever you want. Fuck it. If you want to say a pickup line, go ahead. Nine times out of 10, the woman's not even going to remember what you said unless she rejects you right off the bat. Sure. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I so wanted to try like the bar thing before. I, I have no, I hate bars. I hate alcohol, but I've just, to have the experience would be fun so that I could talk about it more on a stream because generally I'm usually meeting people in other ways. So it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it, I, I work with a lot of guys. We coach a lot of guys mm-hmm. who are over 30 and a lot of those guys don't want to go to bars. Right. So they say to me, yeah, I don't want to go to clubs and bars to meet women. I even get a lot of uh, DMs asking, like, where else can I meet women? And that's fine. There's plenty of other places you can go out during the day and you can go to popular places where people are walking around and you can approach women there. You can also do it a little bit in your hobbies if you want to, you know, if you're part of a hiking group or a rock climbing group or salsa dancing or whatever. The thing is, though, I try to open up guys to try to do bars. Maybe if you're 35, you're not going to this intense club or whatever, but yeah, go to bars because there's going to be a lot of volume there. So even if that's not going to be your wife, you're going to be having a lot of practice because if I go out during the day and I try to meet some women, I don't know, there might be 10 women I can talk to. If I go to a club, there's going to be like 20 women I can get into a, into a conversation with. If you strike out with a woman at a bar, do you try with somebody else or do you just leave? No, you keep trying. Okay. Keep Interesting. trying. Gotcha. Right. So like you were saying earlier, you have to try to, it would be best for your, for your life. If you went through, if you, it would be best if you went through life without looking for external validation. Mm-hmm. So if you can go to a bar and you can embody that, it's like, okay, this girl rejects you, whatever. Let's go talk to someone else. I do agree with that. I think that there was a, I noticed that when I was in college that getting shot down by a girl or two did, was really good for the mind. Cause I think a lot of people have very catastrophic ideas. Like people will treat getting rejected by a girl 
like a fucking divorce where it's like the worst thing. I was like, bro, even worse like death. Yeah. Like if one girl shoots you down, it's fine. You don't even have, you, you barely have a relationship with this person. Like, why do you care so much? Um, and having that experience of getting shot down just so that you can experience it, go through it. It's like, Oh, it's not a big deal. Whatever. Then you move on to the next thing. I think it's really important because people build that up in their head way too much. Now I say they that do. as somebody that doesn't or didn't even really get shot down that much. So to be sensitive, if you get shot down like 20 times in a row, <laughs> maybe after a while that experience starts to fuck with your head, but it yeah. does. But, but the people that are like so afraid of getting shot down, you know, like, well, how many approaches have you made? And they're like one in grade school <laughs> and she put glue in my hair. It's like, okay, bro, you got, you have to put yourself out there at least a little bit. Yeah. Right. Cause you're hyping it up way too much in your head. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have this theory that I've come up with of why men are afraid of rejection so much. There's lots of theories out okay. there. Uh, this is not the only one, but I think this is one that adds to it. Okay. If you're a guy who's scared of getting rejected, you probably have low self-esteem. So that means that if you go and you approach a girl and you get rejected, subconsciously you're thinking that they're confirming the piece of shit that you think you are. And you don't want to go through an experience where you go, oh yeah, that's right. I I do suck for whatever reasons that you've made up in your head. For sure. Okay. So, but I also have seen in practice when I get guys, when the guys who join the coaching program that I have here, and we push them and force them to go out and approach women and then they get rejected, they always actually come off of it feeling better about themselves uh-huh. because they're like, they almost don't care about the rejection. They're like, oh, wow, I just did it. So I try to, and I even do this on, on YouTube and, and through my social media is just encourage guys to do it because you're thinking it's going to be worse than it is when really you're going to be so excited and so happy that you did it because you did a hard thing. And when we do things that are hard, we end up feeling better about ourselves, even if we didn't do so well, so to speak. Yeah. And you've also dispelled the illusion that it's going to be like the end of the world. Like you've, the, the worst thing is not really that bad generally. Yeah. Right. And the, because the worst thing is um, something I learned early in my life inaction is an action. And oftentimes it's the worst decision. Like if you can make two decisions, a good one and a bad one, there's usually a hidden third decision that's the worst and that's trying to remain undecided. So the worst is if you've got a girl that you're too afraid to ask and you've like been friends with her for like four or five, six years. And instead of, you could have solved it very quickly by like asking a question and moving on, but then you like mind fuck yourself into some infinite like friends only or something. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then you're in big trouble yeah. because most of the time, if you're four to five years in the friend zone, that's it. You're, you're pretty much dead in the water there. Yeah. But I'm curious for you though, cause we're talking a little bit about failures and having, and t- taking action uh-huh. to move your life along. So what failures have you had in the past, let's say six years? I don't fail ever. Ever? Um, what failures have I had? I, I mean, guess it's probably because of how you define it. <laughs> yeah. You no, know, they're just learning opportunities, I guess. I mean, there have been debates that I haven't done as well at that I wish I would have done better. There are lessons that I wish I could learn from other people that I seem to learn best through experience. So obviously getting banned from major platforms is never a good thing. I probably wish I wasn't banned from Twitch. Um, oh, you're banned from Twitch? Yeah, permanently. When did that happen? I think a year and a half ago. So what's the live chat that comes up when you're doing your lives now when you're gaming? It's from another side I stream on called Kick right now. And then I've got my own website at Destiny.gg. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what else? So, so yeah, how did that feel? Well, not good. Because <laughs> I've been streaming there for like 12 years. Yeah. Why did you get kicked off? What did they, what did they I say? Th- I think it was for hate speech. Because I was fighting with a bunch of trans people on Twitter and I said they were subhuman. <laughs> but I think they interpreted oh that God. as like me saying all trans people are subhuman, I guess. Which is, but you were saying those specific people Yeah, they're were like subhuman? activists on Twitter. Yeah, that I, yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. What other, so would you consider that a failure? I mean, like tech, I mean, there are no real failures as long as you don't die or become like maimed. Like you can always like learn from experiences, but it, it would be, be nice to experience some things and then go back to the past and then do things a little bit differently. Like I could so probably regrets. know what regrets. Um, yeah, I guess it just depends on your perspective. Like um, you've heard of the phrase, like the master has failed more times than the apprentice has even attempted. Yes. Yeah. Like does the master regret like every failure? Kind of, but like you, you usually you learn something um, through your failures, right? Like every OSHA regulation is written in blood because somebody probably fucked up at some point and now they're like, you know, stand at least 10 feet back from this lathe or don't go under ladders or whatever. Um, so yeah, I feel the same. Like I've had a bunch of like mistakes I've made in my life, both personally and professionally that I, it would have been nice if I had like somehow absorbed this knowledge through the universe beforehand. But you know, I make the mistake. I learn a little bit. I change my approach and then I continue moving on. And sometimes it's good to have made the mistakes because then you can advise people. Otherwise, like I know a lot, even advice that I don't apply necessarily to my life, but I can at least tell other people like what you should be doing sometimes. So yeah. Okay. And a lot of that just comes from the experience of making the mistake. So yeah. Okay. So at this point, are you, do you have a goal in mind for destiny, the brand, so to speak? Is there somewhere where you're trying to, is there something you're trying to complete or reach? There's, so next year I want to be more politically active as the campaign season picks up. Right. So, so speak a bit about that. Like what, what exactly? We've done a bunch of like canvassing events on and off like where I basically put a call out to my audience and then we do canvassing. So um, you, you want to like become mayor of uh, Miami? No, 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 no. Helping other people. I'm not doing, <laughs> I don't do political jobs. Um, but I think next year, like uh, a few years ago, we kind of pioneered this project of doing like kind of this long-term campaigning operation in my hometown, my city of Omaha. And we're probably going to emulate that across like six or seven different cities. I think next year where we're going to have six or seven different Airbnbs rented out for maybe three to six months, but we've got different people staffed there that are doing long-term canvassing um, and helping us like have a base of operations for doing like actual canvassing for politicians where I'll bring like a bunch of fans out for a weekend. This is something we've kind of got rolling in the background. Yeah. And then I want to, and then I keep saying this, there's like, I want to start a media company and I want to start it with a podcast that I'm doing, but there's just like an unbelievable amount of like stupid stuff that's always happening. That's like pushing this off a little bit more and more. Why? What's Um, happening? Uh, just, I can't really say it's just a bunch of dumb, stupid shit that's always happening. But the, um, that's like what getting in the way of your timeline. uh, We'll say that. Yeah. But there's like a, um, I'm probably on the 19th, I think of August, I'm going down to, um, LA again to shoot a Jubilee episode. And I've got a meeting with a guy there um, about like this type of stuff. So it's always like rolling a little bit in the background. But one thing I've noticed, it's probably like a business error in my life is that people are usually like CEOs or workers. Like you generally don't do management and working at the same time for a variety of reasons for a small business. It usually doesn't work out that way, but I work a lot and I'm also trying to like manage everything a lot. And sometimes like the streaming gets in the way of like other stuff I could or should be doing. So, yeah. But, but it's fun. I enjoy the streaming and it's like important for my business and everything too. So yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand how you play a video game and at the same time you're talking to people and I think it just depends and, on the conversation. And, and debating. But yeah. yeah. It just depends on the conversation. Usually if you see me doing that, it's cause I've had that same talk a ton. So I usually know all the talking points by then. Okay. So at that point you're just kind of saying words and basically, yeah. Okay. If you watch my streams as the conversations get harder for me, if you watch the game I'm playing, I'm usually just running around in circles. It's like walking and talking. I'm not actually like hardcore playing a game and hardcore, like plugged in cognitively at the same time to the, debate I'm having. Yeah. Is that how you started just gaming? Yeah. That's way I was a semi pro or I guess a professional Starcraft two player. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and, uh, does that fund you well? Does that make a lot of money doing something like that? Back then? 
you like, you made it. You were like the king of the earth. If you could pull like a three to $600 a month salary. Wow. It was amazing. Look at that. Or you'd win like $75 online tournaments. Yeah, that was so, yeah, not the best money, but I was always on the streaming side of things, which paid pretty well. So when did you start streaming? 2010. Oh, a long time ago. Yeah. So do you still have videos up on YouTube from 2010? Yeah, there are some out there. So yeah. those are your old ones. Yeah. Okay. So when did it start to really explode? When did you look at what you were doing and going, oh shit, we're really building an audience here. People are listening to what I'm saying. I think I've been really lucky in that I haven't really had many of those moments. My growth over time has just been really steady. It hasn't been like I was a nobody for five years and then boom, I'm like, oh my God, this huge thing happened. There have been a couple of inflection points like this red pill stuff has grown me quite a bit. I had a big debate with an online guy called John Tron a while ago, which got me some people. Um, a couple of big debates with people like uh, Lauren Southern, which have like gotten me a lot of views, but more or less my growth has just been pretty steady over time. Yeah. Okay. So- have you, have you enjoyed that at all? Has that been like, fuck yeah, look, look what I've done. Yeah, Not in terms to, of the self-esteem confidence conversation we had earlier, but mm-hmm. you're like, this is great. Now I can play video games and debate and do whatever the fuck I want. And I'm just bringing in the money. Yeah. Like, that's does money why, motivate you? Um, I mean a little bit. I just don't, I'm always worried that I'm going to get like banned from everything. <laughs> so I want to make sure I have enough money saved away um, for me to live the rest of my life without working, which I kind of do. I would just have to move to a, a cheaper area um, and then probably be able to leave my kids some money would be good. Okay. I die or whatever, get assassinated. But yeah, like, yeah, I'm, I, I think I'm more driven right now by like growing audience and everything rather than just trying to get money. But yeah, there's like a certain amount of money. It'd be nice to have. Yeah. But you're growing audience. Yeah. That's probably the big money. Well, it's probably more for like cloud or influence, right? Like if I could make, let's say I could make like $500,000 a year in front of an audience of 100,000 people, or I could make a million dollars a year in front of an audience of like 1,000 people. Like I'd opt for the bigger audience every time because that's, I think once you make a certain amount of money, you just, you want the audience and you want the attention and you want the influence, right? That's what we want at the end of the day. Okay. Like you want to feel like what you say matters and is influencing other people's thoughts and stuff. So. And so you want to have as much influence as possible. Arguably. Yeah. Why? Well, because I feel like I have better things to say than other people online. So I want people to listen to me instead of them, right? As many debates as we all feel. Say. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so it, it seems like you don't, you sock things away just in case another banishment comes. So what's the most expensive thing you purchased for yourself in the past five years? Do you ever treat yourself? Yes. I have a beautiful car, a Ford Focus RS. Oh, okay? what a beaut. Stop, stop. Ford Focus RS. Not a Ford Focus, okay? Not the family car. It's a hot hatch is what they're wow. called. Okay, yeah. even better. Thank you. Okay. My $40,000 car, I love it very dearly. Otherwise, I probably, the most money I spend is probably gonna be rent on my apartment and probably like flying out and traveling to do events and podcasts and stuff. Did you yeah. come here first class? No. <laughs> Bro, treat yourself. It's like a two and a half hour flight. Still. I did do first class to and from LA though, because I realized that if I first class on a red eye and I sleep on the plane, when I get home, I don't have to sleep and I can stream. And that worked out really well a few days ago. So how many um, people recognize you when you, when you get on the plane? It can be quite a few. It just depends on where I'm at or what's going on. Yeah. Especially with the blue hair. Is it annoying? No, it's fun. It's super flattering. Yeah. Okay. Do people like want to sit and talk with you? And sometimes usually just want like a picture or to say hi for a sec. Okay. Any people that hate you that run into you? Like destiny fucking hate you. Never. 
usually haters online just like they like to get a rise out of people. Like I've had people come up to me and like, bro, I told you to kill yourself like 20 times and you blocked me on Twitter. What's up? Like that's usually what people are like. I haven't had anybody try to kill me in real life or anything else. So, yeah. Okay. Do you actually fear like that could happen? Is that like an actual fear? Because you said that earlier, like, oh, assassination. Uh, it depends on the event, but it's like very low, like less than like 3% right now, I think. It just like grows and shrinks depending on what's going on in my life. Okay. You know, it's interesting because I hear you say that and I know there's a lot of other red pill people. I would be more frightened for those people than I would for you. I don't like, think anybody likes it. I think a the lot of, of other kinds of, there's a lot of love, mm-hmm. but there's also a devotion, but there's also a lot of hate for red pill name names, but you know, the yeah, other, but people. I don't think like left leaning people are going to like kill anybody. So I'm usually more concerned about like Nazis and shit or certain religious people. So like, there've been some very far right wing events I've gone to that have made me a little bit nervous. Sure. There was a period, I think a few months ago, where I was fighting with basically all of Islam on Twitter. Probably wouldn't have flown to London or Paris that week, um, but I feel okay in the United States. Uh, I feel like the worst thing that would ever happen for like red pillars that hate me is somebody I would try to like beat me up in real life. I don't think they'd like kill me though. Um, but I think the political stuff usually drives more vitriol than the online dating stuff. Like mm-hmm. I think if a red pillar saw me in real life, the worst thing he'd say is like, you're a fucking cuck, fuck you. I'm gonna yeah. go fuck your wife. It's like, okay. Okay. What do you think is going to be the next evolution or have you thought about the next evolution after red pill? Cause I see it as, you know, there was some, uh, interesting pickup artists from like the late eighties and nineties who taught like hypnotism. And then it, it went into the mystery style, uh, actual like PUA thing. Now this is transformed into this red pill. So we just keep seeing this evolution it's not going to change. It's going to evolve into something else. Do you see it going anywhere? Have you thought about that? I don't know where it'll go, but I don't think the current thing is sustainable because I don't think I don't think any of it works. I don't think that it, any of it is real. Like POA stuff can work with some people. Red pill stuff is not. What red pill stuff would you say doesn't work? Like one-ended open relationships. Nobody's doing this. Even popular people generally don't do this. It's oh, exceptionally where the guy rare. The has guy the can open, sleep around and fuck can. around and the girl can't. Yeah, that's unbelievably rare. And there's probably a lot of weird well, things. It happens. I'll take people's word for it. I mean, it happens. Some guys have two dicks. It happens. Sure. But it, like, that's not a goal in life. Even most celebrities can't get away with that. Um, they might cheat, but like, it's always like a scandal and it's bad and they get like broken up over it. But like, even like celebrities can be like, I'm going to go and fuck 10 bitches and you're going to be okay with that. You better stay home tonight. So like, that's like a delusional goal, I think. I feel like most of the red pill advice is very contradictory. Like you need to find a virgin who respects you for who you are um, and loves you and adds value to your life. And in the meantime, you need to fuck 50 women by the time you're 35 and as many hoes as possible. Only go for girls that are valuing for your, you for your looks, money, success. And it's like all of these things like fly in the face of each other. I think there's a lot of contradiction in there. I, I, I've seen that red pill. It seems to have magnified some concepts Yeah, where, you know, I've always known, you know, yeah, it's not going to be very attractive if I meet a girl and she says she's slept with a lot of guys, right? Like I've always thought that that's been something that I've, mm-hmm. you know, just okay. Yeah. And, and, and I know friends and guys and people I've talked to online, whatever, you know, generally speaking, men aren't really attracted to a woman who slept with a lot of guys. That's just like a thing that's already been there. But now it seems to have magnified where now what's scary is, okay. So if people are, if these young guys are watching or really any guy who's watching the red pill stuff and then they hear, 
you know, you should be with a virgin. It's like, uh -huh. oh yeah, yeah. I've always, I've already not liked a, a girl who slept with a lot of guys, but yeah, that's what I want. I want the virgin. And I always say, listen, that's fine. You can have whatever you want, but we're in 2023. And so the reality is, is you're probably not going to find that. But then that goes to where guys would say, well, yeah, of course, yeah, you won't find that. That's why I'm a passport bro. And then they go into that whole thing. Uh -huh. But still, if you're a guy who's an average dude who wants to find a relationship, you're going to meet a girl who slept with a couple of guys. Okay. Maybe not 50, uh -huh. but it might be like five or 10. Is that really that big of a deal when you found an amazing woman yeah. versus you have all these guys who are like, no, it's gotta be zero one. I don't think they've all always believed that. Yeah. And they don't do it themselves it. too. Right. Like none of these red pill guys have settled down with a virgin wife and had kids or anything like literally none of them. Um, what are you saying? Because they're not in relationships? Yeah, and they're not interested in it. They don't even like that. I don't think they would like most of the women that they purport to be looking for. The like the virgin that's also really fucking hot and shares other values, or whatever. Like those people don't exist, I don't think. Like a unicorn. I guess, yeah. Yeah. Like you're not gonna walk into a church as a guy who's 35 and you fucked 50 women, like trying to find a conservative tradcon wife. Like it's never happening, you know? Right. Um, and now they're all on this like really cringy Muslim grift where they're all pretending to be Muslim for, for whatever fucking reason. Well, like Sneeko? Yeah, yeah. Well, what day is it? I don't know if he, he might be another religion now, but um, no, yeah. Like, yeah, just not, not just him. It, like, it's never just him. He's following other people. But like, yeah, the whole the big like mass conversion to like Islam is like super cringe, too. Yeah. No, listen, I, it, it's interesting. I've had a lot of my own personal experiences with the red pill. And as they say, like swallowing the red pill and it becoming uncomfortable. So, you know, I didn't look too much to it, let's say three years ago, mm -hmm. but as I started to read more literature, watch more videos, it's tough. Some things I'm like, all right, I, I can't wrap my head around it. And other things I'm like, okay, well that makes sense. So for example, even though the red pill isn't like a place where people are giving advice, but things that I guess make sense in terms of female nature and such. But okay. One of the things I can't wrap my head around and I've been trying to, I've been actually trying to uh -huh. is hypergamy. Like I'm trying to really understand, like I know what it means, but I, I have never seen that. I've never heard of that. I can't imagine that. that not I only can you not imagine it, anecdotally, it's not true. Um, the red pill guys will mean? say it is. Really wealthy guys are not plucking women out of Starbucks. It might happen sometimes for new money people. So if you like are a celebrity, you might go crazy, like fucking a bunch of like random chicks, or whatever. But like generally speaking, like well-respected families, people that come for money, whatever, are not just dating poor women. That's not true. Number one, anecdotally, we just know that that's not true. And number two, statistically, it's not true. If you look at, and I had a big argument with Rolo Tomasi. I don't know if you've ever heard of that guy. Yes, of course. Um, very few people have because he's a fucking loser. Um, and then another guy, oh, a friend of his, don't like him. Okay. Um, well, no, I didn't say I didn't like him. I just think he's a fucking loser. Um, and then he had a friend with him, Michael Sartain, who is significantly cooler than him, but questionable that he keeps him in his company, but still cooler. But um, yeah, like um, I did a lot of research for this debate that we did and gathering numbers or whatever. What type of guy, I'm curious, is actually, it seems to be from all my researchers, like one, there's one data point. What type of guy fucks the most women? Do you know what like the single biggest predictive factor is? Like characteristic? Yeah. I didn't even expect this going into it when I was like starting to read around on this. Where did you get this information from? Uh, research. So like Googling around for studies, finding out like average body count of like guys or partner count for different correlated to different factors and everything. Okay. What's the answer? It's just guys that want to fuck. 
there was like the difference between guys that make like no money and guys that make a lot of money. The difference between lifetime partners is like nine to 13. Difference in height didn't matter that much. It was like 10 to 12. Difference in, um, did I say income, height, BMI didn't matter much until you got the morbidly obese. Then it fell to like seven. But like people have all these ideas. So about guys like, taking action. Yeah, guys had to take initiative, right? That try to like have sex with people are usually the ones that are doing it. Yeah, it's funny. I get into a big argument. With, a big argument. Me and Myron argue on every topic. But like the last time we were on the show, he's like, men's primary strategy in life is to become really successful so that you can like spread your seed and like have a lot of kids or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, look at like who's having children. That's actually the total opposite. It's usually poor people that don't use protection that are having a lot of different children with a lot of different baby mamas and stuff. Wealthy people historically don't have that many children. So like, that's not true, you know? And then the hypergamy thing. Yeah, okay, yeah, because going back to the hypergamy thing, when you look at like who's matching who, it's generally people who are of the same status. That's just usually how it goes. And that maps onto real life. Like if you're in school, people in school are fucking each other in school. People in college are fucking each other in college. People at workplaces are always fucking each other in workplaces. And people tend to stick to like similar types of activities. If you come from a wealthy neighborhood, you're probably in the same clubs and the same groups and the same extracurriculars. And that's how you meet people. It's pretty rare that like rich people just go to poor neighborhoods to like pluck out the women. Like, I guess it'll happen every now and then, but overwhelmingly we tend to like stick to our own racially, socioeconomically, and geographically. Yeah. And here's the thing too, is again, with, with a magnification of when I, when I look at male and female nature, you know, <laughs> okay. And you say that there's a Venn diagram where everyone's mostly the same with the red pill. They take it to a place where the reason why it's dangerous is because they magnify it to a place where it almost would turn any guy off from, from going out there because they're hearing that women Just are horrible. They're trying to baby mama you, trap you. Right. They're trying to steal all your money. They're hypergamous. They're going to upgrade instantly. But they, but they, but women do want a guy who is ambitious, who is successful, right? That part of female nature. They, mm -hmm. they would, they do want a guy who might have, who's six, two has a six pack, six figures, all the six inches, six, 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 right? All that stuff, you know? And so this is where it gets tough is yeah, I believe women when they say that. And we do hear it. I hear it all the time, anecdotally online, like it's everywhere, but women will go for a guy who doesn't necessarily have that. And that woman will still be attractive to the guy. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I do believe in a lot of the principles that are inside of Red Pill. I do believe that a woman would want to technically be with a guy and date up uh -huh. if they were in a shitty relationship. Yeah. But no fucking way you're going to be in a great relation. A woman's going to be in a great relationship with a guy and have kids and everything's going great. Again, we're assuming that the relationship has gone well. The guy's not a loser. He didn't lose his job for many years and they're broke and all these problems are happening. Uh -huh. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this guy who just happens to be better than him because he guess he makes more money or is more attractive. Yeah. And she just, you know, uh, flies away, flows, flows, flows the coop and just goes for a guy like that. Like that is where I think red pill goes a little bit too far. Yeah. It's that, have you ever heard him say the alpha fucks beta bucks yes. or whatever? Yeah. One thing that you brought up that is so fucking important is when you're doing sociological research, there's a difference between desires and behaviors and they always stop at the desires. So like the average woman wants a guy that's six foot plus. Okay, sure. The average guy wants like a 19 year old supermodel. 
but like that's not the choices that people are making in real life. Um, there was a, I remember Lauren uh, Southern debated Rolo Tomasi on like some of the OK Cupid stats because they love to go back to these. Yeah, dataclism. Yeah, and Rolo would point out like, oh well, women are. You know, women rate men way more harshly on on looks than men rate women. And while that was true, if you looked at who the women were actually talking to, a woman has no problem talking to a guy that she sees as kind of like medium attractive. Whereas for guys, they actually too tend to gravitate towards the more attractive women. And it's very interesting because like, I know this anecdotally that like you can talk to women I can be having a conversation with a woman, um, and this happens so many times, where a woman will be like, yeah, I think my partner's like pretty attractive. Oh my God, though, like these guys are like super hot. And it's like, oh damn, like you think they're like way more attractive. Probably like, yeah, these guys are really hot. It's like, would you ever leave your partner for this guy? It's like, no. But like, I just think these guys are really hot. Um, whereas I think men are, men can be a little bit more visually driven sometimes. So if a guy is saying like another girl is way hotter than his girl, there might be like a risk there of him like upgrading or cheating or whatever. But for women, I think it works a little bit differently. So women are able to, I wouldn't say compartmentalize, but we tend to project onto each other the things that we want. And a guy is like, I would, I, if I had the chance to, I might upgrade to something that looks better than, than you. And for women, they might see guys that look better than their current partner, but that doesn't necessarily mean they would just upgrade immediately. Like they right. would make, the, the desire doesn't necessarily map onto the behavior there. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, on the other side, mm-hmm. I do believe that when a guy is in a relationship and he's married with a woman, mm-hmm. he does have to put in a lot of effort to make sure this relationship goes. Meaning, you know, they have those statistics mm-hmm. of 80% of divorces are, are coming from from women, right? And so, kind of. well, that is a statistic that, is that just a false statistic? I think so, yeah. Well, how could it be, well, how do you, why do you think that? The, so the, the numbers are anywhere from 68% of women initiate divorces. Okay. But I think it's really important that just because somebody initiates a divorce doesn't necessarily mean they're the ones that are ending the relationship. So for instance, in like, I think men tend to cheat more than women. It's like, I've seen different numbers in this, but anywhere from like 23% men to like 13% women in terms of infidelity. And in those cases, the woman is more likely to initiate divorce, but whose fault is that? That's one thing to consider. The second thing to consider too is oftentimes women are driven to initiate the divorce because they've got more to lose by staying married. Um, so especially if there's like a separation and children are present, if the woman wants to qualify for like, you know, WIC or state benefits or whatever like that, she has to get divorced because she's still married to her husband. She can't get any of those benefits. If she's not the one who initiates it, you're saying. Yeah, she, well, the guy's not going to. Why the fuck would I, especially if I have to pay child support or some shit. If we separate and you've got a kid, I'm like, fuck you. I'll be married forever and live in another state. And most women that you date won't even give a fuck. Like, oh yeah, I haven't divorced my wife yet or whatever. But like, you know, some women won't give a fuck about that. But if you're a woman and you're still married to a guy, whoof, not only are most guys going to avoid you like the fucking play because you're still married to another dude. What the fuck? You can't qualify for any benefits if there are kids present or anything because they're going to treat you as a married couple. So you do then agree with this, with this statistic, but you think it's for different reasons. Yeah, women initiate more for sure, but there's I think there's good reasons for it. And oftentimes when that status presented, it's like women are just breaking up with the men, like just dipshit things, aka just pearly things. We'll say like women initiate divorce because they're bored in the relationship but they just want to leave, you know? I think that does happen though more than often. Maybe not like I'm literally just, I'm bored and everything is really good, but you know, the guy just gets, uh, you know, really complacent. And he doesn't try anymore because the game is over and you don't have to do anything. And I have the wife and all is well and whatever. 
And then it just snowballs into this. Yeah, but I mean, like, like women can get complacent too, right? Like how many jokes do you have of like, um, like when's like the last time you get a blowjob and it's like your wedding night and then it's like done. Or like how many guys get like more attractive secretaries or women at the workplace that they end up cheating on their wife with and the woman's like stuck at home with the kids. Like, I think that there are problems on both sides. I would be, I'm sure there are women that initiate divorce because they get bored or whatever, but I'm sure there are also guys that stop trying. I'm sure there are women that stop trying. I just, I think that's an area that demands like some high quality research before we say women initiate 80% of divorces. Therefore they're the ones causing the breakup when everybody knows that like relationships and why they end is really complicated. Like let's say that a woman breaks up with a guy and then you're like, okay, well the woman caused it. But the woman was like, well, the guy cheated on me. It's like, okay, well maybe the guy caused it. But then let's say the guy's like, this woman said she didn't want to have sex with me. We haven't fucked for three years. Okay, well, fuck. Well, maybe the woman caused it then, right? But then say the woman says, like, the guy stopped showering. He has fucking depression. I don't want to be near him. He's gross. Okay, well, fuck. Maybe the guy caused it, right? And maybe the guy's like, okay, well, I got depressed because my wife gained 50 pounds, right? I'm just saying, like, if we look at real world relationships, very rarely is it like, it's that guy's fault. It's hit 100%. Like, maybe in terms of, like, physical abuse or, like, infidelity, where it's like, why the fuck are you cheating? You know, maybe in some cases like that. But generally, relationships ending are pretty complicated. And I feel like people are very quick to, like, reduce it to this one stat. 80% divorce is an issue by women. And that's why I was like, I just feel like it's a little bit more complicated than that, yeah. So do you think that people in the red pill don't dive as deep into They don't dive deep into anything. As no. much as you do. They don't even know any of the research. Like when I debated um, the Rolo Dipshit guy and then his much better friend, Michael Sartain, on um, the uh, Fresh and Fit, right? One of the ending segments I did on a research for was that women tend to do worse after divorce than men. And I thought I was going to get a lot of fighting in that point, but I researched that point a lot. And men fare better economically. Men tend to find partners more easier. Uh, men are more likely to have children afterwards. Uh, men are more likely to, like every, every measurable metric, men come out better than women. And after I presented that, they were both like just silent. And then even Myron was like, are you sure you guys don't want to like say anything? And they were like, whatever. And then we just like moved on. Like very rarely do they engage with, they don't engage with the data. They memorize like talking points or stats and then they move on. Here's one you've probably heard a lot. The more educated woman is, the more likely she is to initiate divorce, right? Have you yeah. heard that one? Yes. You do College educated women, yeah. College educated women. If your woman is college educated, the chances of getting divorced fall by like more than half. Because even though they're more likely to initiate divorce, the percentage of divorces with college educated women is like 30%. Or like twenty, it's like way less than the less educated woman. But nobody knows that because they just hear the stat of like they're more likely to be the ones that initiate divorce, which is true. But the overall rate of divorce is much, much, much lower. What's another example of a statistic that you think is blown out of proportion in the red pill community? Body counts, okay. like the average lifetime body counts of men and women. I've read anywhere it's like seven to twelve. The idea that like most red pillars think that like the average college girl has like 30 or 50 bodies. It's like fucking insane. When I was on the whatever podcast, the average they got around, it was like the average college girls fucked 50 guys. When I was on Fresh and Fit once, they guessed that it was between 30 and 50% of women were being flown out to Dubai or getting offers to be flown out to 30 to 50% of college women. This is greater than the whole population of, of the, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. All of these, all of these things, like m most people have sex. Do you know where most sex happens is in relationships. Like that's generally where people are fucking the most too. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like all this, like who, like if it, like there's like the really basic biological ones. Like people think that a woman that's fucked 20 different guys is going to have a loose vagina, but a woman that's fucked one guy like a hundred times won't like, does it, does the vagina remember different dicks? Like, I don't know. It's just like all sorts of stupid shit. Yeah. Do you think there's anything that the red pill community gets right? Um, I do think, or that you agree with. Yeah. I think broadly speaking, 
we tend to value each other for different reasons. Women will look at things like success and status. Men will look at things like, you know, physical attractiveness fertility. and sexual, not fertility, physical attractiveness, which might be a proxy for fertility, but like, well, that's what I mean. Oh, sure. Maybe. Yeah. But yeah, I think broadly speaking, I think we kind of like value different things in each other. I just think they like hyper fucking exaggerate the fuck out of it and make it really toxic and adversarial. Why do you think they do that? I think some of it might come from a place of hurt where they've been like burned by women in the past. Um, like a lot of these red pill guys, when you dig into their backgrounds, have had like really rough times. Well, it's interesting because some of them claim to have great relationships with their mom. Uh, some, some say that they have great relationships with women. They love women. Yeah. But their love is always like the way they express is like very like Andrew Tate. be like, I love my woman. That's why I, I keep her inside all the time and never let her go outside. Cause I don't want to get hurt. You know, like the way you might love like a cat or a dog. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of these people talk about women basically like they're looking for children, I guess. Not like in a pedophilic sense, but they're like, I want somebody that's like innocent, has never had sex before, wants to stay home all the time, doesn't ever want to go out with friends, doesn't want to go to the club or bars, doesn't want to go out and do any of these like weird things in the world and just like stays home and adds value to my life by like cooking and cleaning. It's like, okay. You're saying that's going to be really hard to find. Not, I mean, it won't exist. You can find it, but like, I feel like you need to live a lifestyle that matches that. You can't be trying to drop 50 bodies by the time you're 35 and then look for a virgin. Like you're not, you haven't built yourself out to be the kind of person that would even be in a relationship with somebody like that. Do you think that some of these guys are, I mean, do you think that they're ridiculous for the fact that most of them themselves are not in relationships? Sometimes I think that would be, that should be kind of a red flag. Right. If a lot of these people, like I'll be on these shows and ask them like, what's your like longest relationship? They're like, Oh, one year. It's like, okay, you guys are like all in your thirties and stuff. And you're giving, you're like the leading relationship advice. But they people. don't really give relationship advice. They're really they just don't, talking I know. about, That's a, well, yeah, I think they're just talking about dating and such. Well, they're not giving dating advice either. They're usually giving advice to hook up. That's it. And then they give delusional dating advice around having a harem. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I do agree with that. They don't usually give dating advice. You never hear these people like, well, how do you resolve conflict in a relationship? Usually they'll say like, well, cheat on your partner and it'll make it more competitive. It's like, okay. Who's the most different on camera and off camera? Um, like are, like you've met most of these guys. Are they the same person that they are on their shows? I would say the fresh and fit guys are pretty consistent on camera and off camera. I would say Rolo Tomasi is definitely like kind of feminine beta off camera. Um, seems like he wants to be like a breedable, submissive schoolgirl in another life, but he didn't get the chance to. Um, and then on camera, they're a bit more tough, um, especially long distance. Um, you have some serious beef with Rolo. A little bit. There's another guy called MLD also, um, famous for wearing diapers and getting fat sucked out of his body while making fun of other women for not putting in the work to lose the fat. He's a lot different on camera and off camera or on camera, depending on who he's with. He has like a lot of energy for people that are there to kind of like mutually suck each other off. But when he's confronted with like women, he turns into the most submissive, quiet person in the world. Uh, gets very unconfident, probably had a lot of trouble talking to people in real life still to this day. I hate all these people. Sorry. There's guy called Donovan Sharp who Clearly. talked for his whole life about how evil and horrible it is to date a single mom who lied about dating a single mom for his whole life. He dated a woman who I think is older than him and has a child that he lied about for, I think a decade. He said that like this child is actually just my nephew when in reality it's his adopted like stepdaughter, daughter-in-law, whichever it is. Yeah. Fuck these guys. Um, That's another reason why I respect like the fresh and fit guys. I totally disagree with their lifestyle, but from everything I've seen on and off camera, they're about the same. So like what, what they say the is consistency. Yeah, I do. I, I do that. 
You know, like Hitler believed some crazy shit when he was in front of the podium, but behind the scenes, God damn it, he was telling him to kill Jews too, you know? So I give him credit for being consistent as opposed to some people that will say one thing and then they live a total, like the Rolo guy's married for like 20 years. He says all high value men can exercise options. He's never exercised an option. His wife would kick his ass, you know? Or like the MLD guy is like, he, you know, he got liposuction, fake teeth, fake hair and all this shit and then makes fun of women for wearing makeup. Or the Donovan Sharp guy, you know, married a single mom and he's been with her for 10 years making fun of any guy that would ever be with a single mom. He, he has a story how he got scammed by a 19 year old heroin addict when he was like 35 and she was 19, you know? So yeah, I, I respect people for their consistency, even if I disagree with their lifestyle choices. So fresh and fit are relatively consistent, like from what I've seen. Do you ever pay attention to any of the dating coaches? So they're not necessarily like red pill, but they teach dating. Do you ever watch any of those guys? A little bit. Not, I don't watch as much as I don't have time my little bit of engagement with that community is they tend to be better people because they're not fucking insane. So like there's a guy called um, Alex from Playing With Fire. Yep, um, I know. Yep. Yeah, he, he seems to be a cool dude. He's like pretty the same off camera, on camera. Um, and he'll talk about like differences in men and women. He probably exaggerates it a bit more than I do. But when he talks, I don't get the feeling that he fucking hates women. So that's like a big plus in my book. Yeah, so I think we we disagree on some things, but like, yeah, it's okay. Okay. This has been a great conversation. Yeah, no uh, very enlightening. It's it's been great talking to you and hearing some of your viewpoints. And also, like I said, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is just because I was very interested in you as a person and who you were and where you've come from. Because I've only been just introduced to you in maybe the past six to nine months. Mm -hmm. So it's always just cool to see like where people have come from and and who they are today and and where they're going. So. Yeah, man. Thanks for being here. I know that there's a lot of your audience watching, but there's also mine as well. So anything that you want to advertise or for anyone to follow, now's um, the time. Yeah, kick.com slash destiny, youtube.com slash destiny, instagram.com slash destiny. Yeah, cool. where you can find me. Awesome. Thanks. Any last words? Thanks for having me. Been fun. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Thanks cool. so much.